This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon. This is Marshall Davis. There have been some episodes I've been meaning to do for a while now, and this seems to be the the time to do it. So I'm going to jump right into it. I'm going to be talking about the early chapters of the book of Genesis and show how they are expressions of non-duality. The Bible opens with these famous words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. It's a lot in these first two verses of the Bible. It depicts the beginning of the universe as a watery chaos, without form and void. The darkness, it says, upon the face of the deep. This is the cosmic ocean, the watery abyss, which symbolizes the undefined and undifferentiated oneness before the earth was formed and out of which the universe was formed. Genesis says that in the beginning, everything was one, undifferentiated oneness. There was no separation or distinction between parts of the whole because there weren't any parts. Distinction and separation come in the next verse when God says, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. This is the beginning of duality. God creates light, which means, therefore, there's also darkness. And God separates the two, the light from the darkness. And God distinguishes between good and bad by calling the light good, which means that there is bad. And then God gives the light a name, not only calling it light, but calling it day meaning that there is night. And this naming itself is a dualistic activity. And all of the rest of the this chapter, this first this first creation story, is a series of then smaller creations and separations and judgings between good and bad and naming things. The light and the darkness of day one ends and day two begins. That's the birth of time. And God separates the firmament, which in ancient times was understood to be a a barrier that separated the waters from above, up in the heavens, from the waters below, making a space where 
living things could could be. That's this is the birth of space. It's a separation between heaven and earth. And then and this creation story, day after day, life forms emerge and the process of duality. It's not too much to say that creation itself is a dualistic activity. Dualistic activity is tiring, which is why the Creator God had to rest on the seventh day. And it is exhausting for us to keep up this illusion of, this, this creation of separation and duality. That's what our egos do. They sustain this dualistic existence, which is hard work, which is why we rest and why we seek release from it, which is why it's called liberation. The creation of the universe by a theistic creator God produces a separation between that creator God and the creation that this deity is creating. This is dualism. That is why theistic religions, including Judaism and Christianity and Islam, are intrinsically dualistic. They are founded on separation between God and the universe, which God, according to all their stories, created as separate from God's self. Now, what is important to note is that before creation, there was no separation between God and the universe. That's the meaning of the verse that says, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The word for spirit can be translated wind or breath also. So this is a picture of a primordial watery chaos and God is simply hinted at and described as movement on the face of these waters. The image is the, the ripple effect of wind blowing on the surface of a body of water. I picture it as like the surface of our nearby lake on in the early morning. Often during the warmer months of the year here in New Hampshire, I will get up early and I'll drive the two miles down to Squam Lake, which is, by the way, where the film on Golden Pond was filmed. And I'll bring my hot tea and I'll sit by the lakeside as the sun rises and as the day wakes up and as all the animals wake up. It's a perfect setting for meditation. You don't have to do any type of special spiritual exercise. All you have to do is be there and the lake takes over. The lake has its effect on you. So I sit on the rocks on the shore and I listen to the birds waking up and I watch the first breeze of the day begin to gently blow across the surface of the lake. That is what is being depicted in this first chapter of Genesis. I kind of like to think that this creation account was inspired by dawn on the Sea of Galilee, although it probably wasn't. Scholars think that this chapter, this creation account, was written during the Babylonian exile in the 6th century BC. So it's probably inspired by some Babylonian or, or Persian lake. But in any case, in the beginning, God is one 
with the undifferentiated watery chaos. And there's just a, a hint of a differentiation as God is pictured as movement on the face of this primordial oneness. This is the beginning of God seen as separate from and different from the primordial oneness. One might even call this the birth of God. By that I mean, of course, the theistic God. The concept of God as being, as a being, separate from and over above creation. This stirring on the face of the waters is the emergence of God from the oneness. There's a place in the Tao Te Ching that distinguishes God from the oneness, which is, which is the Tao. Stephen Mitchell's translation of chapter 4 of the Tao Te Ching reads, The Tao is like a will, used but never used up. It's like the eternal void, filled with infinite possibilities. It is hidden but always present. I don't know who gave birth to it. It is older than God. I love that translation. It is older than God. That is what is being presented here in the opening verses of the Bible. It is showing a oneness that is older than God and which gave birth to God. Now, traditional Christians will cringe at these words. They will insist that there's nothing older than God, that God is eternal. It is true that the true God is eternal, but the theistic God was born in time. There's a time before theism. Historians of religion can track the emergence of the theistic concept of God and, and the monotheistic, especially, concept of God. He, and so it's a he, the male sky creator God, came into existence at a certain point in history. He's the product of time and space, you could say. The concept of the theistic God is the natural result of humans becoming aware of themselves and themselves is different than, than, than the world and becoming aware of time and space. You could say that's when they fell from the Edenic oneness of the childhood of our race into, non, into duality. But that's another episode. We'll deal with that later. Today we're dealing with chapter 1 of Genesis, which is the first creation story. The theistic creator God, conceived by humans in the Middle East, gave birth to the concept of sin, which is also an expression of the difference and the distance and the separation between a theistic God and humans. That necessitated the development of some way to breach this gap that gave birth to the concept of prayer and sacrifices and rituals and everything else of our organized religion. But in the beginning, even Genesis says, there was only one. That one is what I call God. This is true God, not the theistic, dualistic God. This is the eternal God, the God beyond God, the ground of being, the being itself, the Tao. 
Here is chapter 42 of Mitchell's translation of the Tao Te Ching. The Tao gives birth to one, one gives birth to two, two gives birth to three, three gives birth to all things. That's what's happening in the first two verses of Genesis. The formless void represented by the waters is the Tao. It's the uncarved block, as the Tao would say. That is non-duality, not two, which is more basic than one. And from the, the not two is born the one. And from oneness is born two, which is duality. From duality comes what the Chinese call the 10,000 things. The first chapter of Genesis describes non-dual Tao. That is the essence and heart of reality and how this dualistic world emerged from it. A number of years ago, I authored a Christian version of the Chinese classic, the Tao Te Ching. I entitled it, The Tao of Christ. In this translation, I tried to connect Christian spirituality and Taoist spirituality. So throughout that translation, I often made references to, to Christian scripture and in particular, the creation story of Genesis. So I'm going to close this episode today by reading the first chapter of my translation of the Tao Te Ching. The God who can be described is not the true God. The name that can be spoken is not the name of God. God is unnameable. Naming God is the beginning of religion. Let go and you find God. Hold on and you get theology. Knowing God and not knowing God are ultimately the same. Their source is unknowing. In the beginning, darkness was on the face of the deep. Know this and you know all. I will leave you today with this unknowing. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.